Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Hi, Erica. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Book Talk. Um, book Talk is a podcast book club where we read a section of a book over the week, whenever you have time, every day, or in one big sitting. Um, and then we publish an episode about that section of the book on Sunday nights. And that is where we are now. We are in the second part of Transcendent Kingdom. Which I am loving so far. In this section, we spend a little bit more time with Gifty in the present day, and we get a little bit more insight into what she's studying, her relationship with Raymond, a little bit more about her college and postgrad years. And then we flash back to Gifty and Nana as kids as they're dealing with their dad leaving and figuring out in their own ways kind of what religion really means to them. We see again in present day, Gifty's mom start to come back to herself a little bit first, uh, which I thought was hilarious by commenting um on her dislike of Gifty's hair and then by her cooking in the kitchen which Gifty also almost ruins by bringing up a memory her mom was clearly trying to forget about um in the end we see a little bit more of Nana growing up of him struggling with their dad leaving and finding a little bit of himself playing basketball so what did you think of this section I am loving this book so far this section was so much deeper than I expected The themes are really something that I think about a lot. A lot of things I think about a lot. I think she is doing an amazing job of speaking so clearly through this voice of Gifty and through her experiences talking about these like bigger picture things. I also love that we're getting these like little weaving things that are going to come back around to be really important. So we're building this theme of like the distrust in doctors and of Gifty obviously shying away from opioid usage even when it's prescribed so I think that's giving us an insight into like what's going to happen with Nana also like how important it is for him to be like moving in order to like process what he's going through I feel like we just have like an injury coming up that's going to get him addicted to opioids which is just going to kind of like fill into that story they have about um not trusting doctors it's just a guess but we'll see I think we also have this amazing cast of supporting characters with Han, Catherine, and Raymond where they're each repeated enough times that I think they're important, but it's not too obvious yet why. So I don't know yet what's going to happen with Han or Catherine in particular, but I do think they're going to be an important part of Gifty's story. And I... The last like theme that I love from this section, which we can talk about more in detail, is this dinner that she has with Raymond and his friends where they're all just like talking at a high level about all these problems. And she's essentially like, what is the point of all of this talk? What do we get from just identifying the problem? Which is so ironic because that's exactly what she's doing with this circling around the issue of addiction. Like if I can just circle the part of the mouse's brain where addiction is happening can I fix everything? And you're like, obviously you can't, but it's just funny to see her being annoyed with other people who are doing the exact same thing. That was a hell of another summary and a review of this (laughs) section. Wow. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I had to start in the middle of that, just like writing down my thoughts of things that I wanted to comment on. (laughs) No, I loved it. I wrote them down. 
But it was funny because I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a minute. Let me just start writing my things I want to respond to. This is a minute. To. <laughs> this is a minute. I have thoughts. Yeah. Capital okay. T thoughts. I can't wait to talk to you about this extreme intellectual dinner that we went to. Um, so can't wait to discuss that. I also want to say about the Nana and the um, the fact that he needs to be constantly moving. I also get the feeling that it's going to be um, some sort of injury that leads him. I also am staring at the book Dreamland, which I don't know if you've ever read, which is like the true tale of America's opioid epidemic. It's pretty like pharmacologically heavy. Like you're reading a lot about that industry, um, which I work in. So I found it very interesting, but it's pretty dense, but it is a lot about um, like how we become addicted and how this like happens. So I'm interested to see how she kind of teases that um, into something that's digestible, which I feel like she does a really good job of in this section is taking these big themes or these big, overarching issues or struggles these families or these like communities are having and she brings them and breaks them down into these like small intimate interactions so it's very easy to feel like you're reading a really good novel that you want to know more about these characters but also be kind of working through some of these bigger issues which is like amazing it's crazy talented how how I have a question related to that that I want to know what you think of it seems like the perspective that Gifty has, and maybe this is the perspective that Yah has, is that there's like this individual difference in the propensity for addiction, which she sort of talks about with like her mice. Like there's some mice that just continue to accept the shock, the random shock, in order to get this like insure. One of the most famous addiction researchers is actually at Columbia, Carl Hart. And his view is essentially like that chronic drug use is much more of a feature of the situation, not the person. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not up to date on that type of research. Did you did you uh, like get some of that from the book that you were just talking about? I think there's a couple different things. A lot in Dreamland is about there's kind of two different stories woven together, too. I mean, there's people who are using because of their environment and maybe as a result of as an escape from as, you know, as was shown to them, et cetera. There are people who start an opioid because of an injury and then it can turn into an addiction because they are actually addictive and then you don't have the money and then you need the high and then you go to then it just like you know cascades from there because it does change like I mean addiction is crazy like if you have anything where you have to like even you're smoking cigarettes and you quit or something simple like simpler than you know quitting heroin or opioids it's like a physical physiological reaction that you have to fight through constantly which is exhausting so it's like if you don't have the support around you to do that I'm excited to read more about Nana's story as well. I also want to say before we move on that I just, I hope, wonder if she loves Han. That's it. Yeah, I don't know if there's like a romantic thing brewing between them. She definitely opens up to Han about her brother, which is the first kind of outside person, at least that we've seen that she's talking about with it. We even see her like biting back explaining that to Raymond. So I don't know if that's setting up some sort of like different feeling that she has with both of them or what but I had the same thought like is this going somewhere I don't know I need to know what you think about this highly intellectual academic dinner because I have some feels but I need to know yours first <laughs> how do I feel about the intellectual dinner I feel badly because it's just like if any coworkers get together like the thing that you think about and live and breathe and work on all day it's just the thing you're going to talk about and so like I get it. Like James and I do this when we get together. We just talk about 
what we're publishing and how the publication process is going and all these things that we've been reading about. So on the one hand, I empathize with the group of students who are essentially just talking about the things that they're kind of forced to think about all the time. But I also understand why it can be extremely tone deaf to always intellectualize everything and not realize that we're not talking about like poverty in abstraction, you know, or or talking about poverty in abstraction itself can be a problem, which I think is what Ya is dealing with. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too. I think I agree. I see both sides of it. I think this is like how Jason feels every time no matter where I've worked at, when you come and it could be something that doesn't have to be like talking with your coworkers about, you know, these people are obviously students or they're studying these crazy things, but it could even be like when we were working in the restaurant and he would be like, I don't care about these, (laughs) these stories. Like I don't want to come to dinner and like listen to these stories. I don't know those people. I haven't drank that thing or done this thing or saw that person. So like, I just, this is funny. I also feel bad for her because I feel like for gifty in the situation, I do feel like she is kind of struggling to she's obviously crazy smart, but she hasn't read these books. She isn't, she isn't like as focused in this specific way of being smart, which is in their sense literature. And so she feels, I think less like she wants to speak up or have opinions. And I think we flash back to her college years when she randomly does have an opinion and is like, how do you know God doesn't exist? And is like immediately shut down by the crowd that she's with. And so I feel like, I can just like picture her in the moment being like, I'm not, I don't know if this is what she's thinking. If I was in her shoes in this moment, I think I would be like, oh, I'm not smart enough to have an opinion on these themes because I didn't read those books or I'm not, even if you had more direct experience in the things that they're talking about, I think I can see from their point of view how they're just having this like commiserating moment. And then from her point of view, how she's like, is what I have to say worth it? Is it smart enough? Is it good enough? Is it you know, enough to be actually a part of this conversation. But I think you need both. You need people who are able to think about things in an intellectual way. You need people who actually, you know, live them and aren't because it's all important to understanding like humans or, or literature. It's my diatribe about that. I totally agree. And if it makes anybody listening feel better as a very smart person who listens to a lot of people blabber on, A lot of people who sound very smart are not actually very smart. And that is the key to everything. A lot of people who can sound super smart are saying nothing. It's like, they're actually sometimes the people talking the most. (laughs) Exactly. Sometimes the people talking the most are overcompensating for what they don't have, or they're trying to show, you know, how much better they are when really they just read like the cliff notes, or it's something they heard somebody else say about this book. Like it's, it's just not true always the way that people project their intellect um, especially in these like social environments but we've also all been there where we're like whoa this conversation is way above my head let me just sit here and absorb it okay to kind of tie together what we were talking about with addiction a little bit earlier and her at this dinner party when she does finally start talking about what she studies um, and they're like oh so it's a question of restraint they're like engaging with her and she says well yes but it's a bit more complicated than that even the idea of a you that can restrain yourself doesn't quite get at it the brain chemistry of these mice has changed to the point where they aren't really in control of what they can or cannot control they are not themselves um, which I think is a really way of talking about addiction too like it's not something as I think people who are not involved in in addiction in any way can kind of be like or in addiction treatment or, or know somebody who's struggled with it can kind of just be like 
you know, can't you just turn it off? Isn't it just easy to stop? Isn't it just a decision that you're making as easy as like, what am I going to wear today? And it's obviously not. And I think her understanding that they're not even really themselves anymore is kind of part of her processing what I'm sure we're going to find out a little bit more about what happened to her brother. I love that. I think to what we're saying, like she doesn't think that she has something to to add to the conversation, but she clearly does. And she's really thought a lot about even how different perspectives come at this idea of like who you really are and what makes you you and the part that science can't explain. It's sort of like neuroscience is like the you is just like brain matter and neurons firing and psychologists are like the you is the idea of you. It's sort of like you're thinking about you, your metacognition, that's you. And then spirituality is like, no, no, there's some core essence that is spirit or source or something like that. That's you. And the fact that she's even thinking about that is such an interesting perspective. And there's so much there to discuss. Again, I just find it funny that she doesn't see that that's like such a contribution to the conversation. Yeah, I think it's like, I don't know if it's like self-conscious or if it's partially how she was raised or what. Speaking of that, what did you, one thing I wanted to talk about was her and Nana's kind of experiences growing up with religion, specifically with um, organized religion when they're kids. And then in Gifty's kind of defense of her mother's right to practice religion now, um, I thought the part about them kind of in youth group and at least having their first kind of crazy conversation with this youth pastor was like eye opening. And also I think kind of the beginning of the, of the downfall of their kind of belonging and organized religion. But what did you think about this section? It, it's too much. It's too close to like real life. Um, I definitely have experienced this frustration that she has with like the lack or this kind of like this hip presentation of religion, this like person who's so clearly just trying to like relate to people or to get people in or to like keep people coming without like thinking deeply or engaging deeply with the questions. So the scene when Nana says like, hypothetically, what about this village who never had the chance to even hear about this message? Are they going to hell? And just the way that the youth pastor PT was just like, yes, next question. Um, But I love that. I like that. What Yah talks about is like, what that tells me is that you did not think about that question or what it means. It's sort of like, she wanted him to show that she that he also was grappling with this in a deep way, the way that she's currently grappling with it. And who knows? He probably is grappling with it, but he can't show that because he feels like he has to, like, lead this group or have all the answers um, when really all she probably wanted him to say was like, I don't know. That's a great question. Pray on it. Think about it. Let's talk about it. You know, something deeper. And she doesn't get that. And then also as a black woman, hearing that and knowing that your brother is asking from his point of view also, I think she was looking for a little bit more awareness of this like white Christianity that she's seeing towards like the view of the third world. It's just like her, like the levels of thought that are going into each of these scenes, I'm obsessed with. Same. It's crazy. Yeah, I thought. Um, I mean, yes, I think we've all, maybe not all, I'm sure a lot of us have been there like in the hip youth group, at least I was as well, where it's like, yeah, hip in an exclusionary way. I was like, yes, this is it because it's still not what we're really trying to get at with the ideals of what Christianity could be. Like we're still not doing it with a hip youth pastor, but 
I don't know. I thought um, when he answers, and they're like, well, what if they never heard? And he was like, okay, well, God would have made sure. And he's like, okay, well, what if they haven't? You know, because this is such a world outside of what this person can clearly imagine, like this remote village. And then he was like, well, they go to hell. And he's like, hypothetically, yes. And just like saying something that cavalierly and not even thinking about how that could affect these kids who are like, oh, so that's a lot of people where I come from also here, but like just different. And so that's it for them. Like it just felt so like just throwing away. And also, yes, again, what kind of, maybe this is too religious to talk about on a podcast, but I'm like, what kind of religion are you, are you talking about here where you can, you as a person here can just be like, yeah, that's it. That's what would happen to them. I know what you don't know. And also like, are you trying to preach about a God that loves first and is merciful first? So then that's not it. That's not the answer. That's not what you're doing. And so it is kind of interesting, but you see him, them smirk and he's like, okay, well, you know, it's clearly not working for him anymore. This kind of version of, um, of organized religion. And then I think the next thing they talk about is this like spectacle of poverty. Um, being that these people in, in third world countries, they need us to come tell them about religion so that they can be saved. Um, you know, when they've been around and been spiritual and probably more connected than in, for a much longer time. And it's like the white savior complex. Like we have to go there and we have to tell them so that they're okay. I think it's just, I mean, I don't want to say it's just like, it's not a big deal, but I think it's this idea of like making God in your own image. Um, Anne Lamont, who's one of my favorite writers and a writer about writing and a religious person, which I don't like, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I find people who think about this deeply, very inspiring. But she said, you know, you're on the wrong path when God hates all the same people that you do. It's sort of like, (laughs) like some wires got crossed somewhere if God is like, just happens to be where exactly where you are and think the exact same way that you do. Um, And there's obviously so much going on with her experience with PT that he clearly just has not thought about this uh, deeply. Um, But I do want to just like, I think the white savior complex idea is something that, um, is like she's touching on it in such a beautiful way which is like I see poor people too there are people suffering here too it's not like your idea that we are somehow America is somehow better than all these other countries as if we're not the wealthiest nation with millions of homeless people struggling everywhere like we have so much wealth and we have all these people suffering but it it's this idea that like oh but there are these like poor sick black children who need my money it's like okay there's probably also somebody right outside who needs your money literally in your community but it's I think it's easy for people to it's like they get to they get to be a good person but they also get to keep it at an arm's distance away they don't have to actually deal with all the shit that comes with helping somebody who's in poverty so instead of actually doing that in their own communities they're like well I'll just send four dollars a month and then I can check out off my list as being a good person, helping this person get out of poverty. Like, I, I feel like, yes, there are so many ways. It's my one, one last soapbox for today. So many ways that there is still poverty and struggling here. And I think she does talk about that too. That her mom, who obviously grew up in, and struggled a lot, is just like, God, please don't let my car break down in this dirty village. And I was just like, yes, wherever you're at. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I think people do. And I don't want to be like so harsh on people who have done this. I've definitely I have never done missionary work like internationally, but I've definitely like gone out and tried to do stuff like this. And I think it's like it, it's coming from a good place. But what um, what yeah is upset about is it's not coming from a well thought out place. It's definitely coming from a white centric place like they haven't thought of and considered this other perspective. Um, yeah, I totally agree. It's that it's not, they're not thinking it's easy too when it's presented to you in this, um, in this way where it's like, here's how you, and I think it is speaking to people's best intentions, right? It's like, here's this really easy way to help somebody who is less privileged than you. It's super simple. You just do this. Um, and it's, you don't have to think too much about it or I don't know, maybe that does sound harsh, but, um, I mean, I sponsored a kid in Africa in youth group. So like, I'm not coming from a place of not having done this and learned and et cetera. Like, I, have I think you hit also. it exactly right where it's like, it's sometimes easier to think the suffering is far away from me and I went and helped and now I'm back. There's nothing else I could do. It's sort of like, I understand why that's like appealing. I hope that if you're reading this section, you understand how she felt in that moment. I think that's what's so good about this book. Yeah, like totally. How agree. would you feel as a young black person knowing that you look like the people in the video or in the, you know, the charity claims and things like that? And also to hear the way they talk about it. It's like, yeah, those all that entire village would go <laughs> to hell. It's like, geez, like, yikes. Ooh. Seriously. Yeah, that's that's not. Not the kind of love or um, omnipotent foresight that I would want to hear about. Okay, well, clearly we're, like, loving this book. There's, like, way too much to talk about. We're, like, running out of time. Um, So can't wait to talk more about this um, after we read the third section. This week we are reading chapters 26 through 40, which is pages 130 through 200. I can't believe we're already um, halfway done. That's crazy. I love this book. I can't wait to read more. talk talk um talk talk <laughs> speaking of loving this book i am um not loving girl woman other and i just <laughs> i you just need to either put it down no, or can't. finish it i know i know how far are you i'm how 300 pages do you in. have and there's how much oh 407 another 100 girl put it down I'm going to have to put it down. It's not doing it for you. Just put it down. It's okay. I don't know. I'm, I can't really do that. Okay. I'm just going to put it down. All right. I'm either going to finish it. I'm either going to finish it tonight or I'm going to, I'm either going to finish it tonight or I'm going to put it down because I'm like, I have to be done with this book. It's driving me crazy. I think it's good. I'm just like, this isn't doing it. I just, it's not like hooking me in like I want it to, mm-hmm. you know, I really, yeah. really want to love it. Well, n- not all books are for everybody. Yeah, I feel like I'm breaking up with a really nice guy who I just like. It's yeah. not there for you're me. Like, <laughs> you're really great for somebody. You're really great for Erica. Uh, she liked you, but. <laughs> it's not you. It's me. Not for me. All 
All right, fair. Um, well, after if you put that book down or if you finish it, you should really read Outlawed, which I just finished, and I have so much to talk about. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Oh. We need you to read that. Okay, so I only read the first 20 pages and put it down for that one because I had a really big stack of books at that point to read. So it's worth picking back up once I get through this initial part. Yes, it's it's a Western. So I have like never even seen a Western movie, I don't think. Um, yeah. I've definitely never read a Western book. Yeah. Um, so it's so different. But I think that's why it was like really a fascinating format. And once you get to the gang, she's going to go join this cowboy gang. That's like not a spoiler. It's clearly on the cover. Right. Once she gets there, then it like really takes off. It's a little hard. There's a lot of characters in the gang. So it's like tricky to keep everybody straight. But then I think the plot really gets moving once she gets there. Okay. I could try that again. Um. Okay. Yay. I'm glad you liked it though. Yeah, it was a good one. It was, I love reading something I've never read before. And that was like, this is completely different. And there's a lot of really interesting themes that we could talk about or think about um, that I don't want to, we don't have time. We would need a whole other 20 minutes to oh, get into like it. Oh, like a whole really special good. episode. Weird. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hint taken. I was going to say, how was your weekend? Oh, my weekend was good. Dan's band, Hunter Tones, released their most recent album called Time to Play. So after this episode is done, hop on over to their page and listen to it um so the album release show was on friday his parents were here um and it was a great super fun weekend and now it's a hurricane so like you know the drama never stops are you doing okay <laughs> i mean i haven't left i haven't gone outside um we're not near like the edges of brooklyn so i don't think we're under like any um threat from like the ocean but definitely like the um amount of rainfall we got is just like completely stressing all of the like draining um things so thankfully I don't have to walk anywhere but I do have to go to class tomorrow and we just found out one of the students in our cluster tested positive for COVID oh. so okay so really good days all around um congrats Dan and yikes to the rest of it <laughs> yeah so you know I really, after 2020, I was like, that year, worst year ever. 2021, knew us. And 2020, 2021 was like, brace yourself. 2021 was like, LOL. I'm the same. Maybe you can get your wish in 2022, but worse. Ugh. So last night, we uh, met Matt and Dale. It's their 10-year anniversary. And they went to dinner. And then they were like, do you want to meet us for a drink after we're baby-free? Like, yes, absolutely. They were going to this new bar called The Go-Go. I'm like, great. So we like get there and immediately I was like, well, I don't know if this is for me. Everyone here is like 10 years younger than me. And but it wasn't that busy. So we got drinks and sat outside and then we like got more drinks. And then so we had like two rounds in the amount of two rounds of drinks. This place fully fills up and it's like a DJ. It's advertised as a 70s, 80s disco. It's not true. Maybe it's just maybe it's true in other nights. It was not true last night. It was like a just regular pop DJ. And then I went in to close our tab and the boys like walked out and I like walk in there and there's like three deep at the bar. All of these girls are 19. Everyone is wearing only a bandana, which I love for them. I'm very happy. But I was like, I thought the shirt that I was wearing was like pretty cute. It's not. I'm old. And I just like looked around and I was like, I can't wait in here anymore. And I went outside and I was like, do you have your card? He's like, yeah. I was like, great. I'm not signing that tab. I can't stand inside here. We have to leave. And we went to the brewery down the street and that was much better. It was very funny. 
But okay, well, I feel personally <laughs> victimized because I don't know if you saw the sh- the pictures from Bingo, but I was definitely wearing like a handkerchief. Oh, top. I'm here for it. But okay, now I'm here for the handkerchief. To be clear, I just like need someone else to style me because I just like missed the memo. But also, it was just like. I felt like I was, it was less what they were wearing and more like the conversations that I went to the bathroom or at the bar. I was like, I'm in Park Street Cantina in 2010. Like I was just like, right. I, I've gone back in time yes. to college. All these girls are 19. Is the bar by campus? No, it's by 7th Sense on 4th Street. I mean, it's not by campus, but it's also not not by campus. So it's like, mm-mm. and it was just so funny because I was like, wow, I feel so old in this moment. I feel like everyone's like, what's she doing here? <laughs> And it was just obviously dramatic, but I was also like, it's time to go. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney. With production support from Dan White, our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. I just like open my Instagram. There's Dan's face.